the Tea Health Show, your medical lifestyle podcast, brought to you by the Tea Clinic. This is the Tea Health Show. I'm Dr. Mark, and in studio, as always, our lovely producer, Sim Piwe. Morning, Sims. Good morning. And then we have um, our resident guru, Sister Elise Van Aert, um, my lovely assistant and Principal as well as president of our office, Alice Kamahari and uh, Dante. Good morning, guys. Okay, so um, today we have an interesting show. We are going to start a series um, on sexual wellness. So for the next couple of months, we will be having a show each month uh, dealing with everything that has to do with your sexual wellness and today's show as an introduction to this is about perception of sex and sexuality in different cultures, different age groups and different orientations. So um, Sister Elise, you're going to speak to us about um Perception and attitude and what the differences between these two things actually are. I think that is a very important differentiation that one needs to think about. Perception is classified or defined as an immediate awareness. So you use your senses of what you experience if you come in contact with something. Attitude is something that is Defined over years What have you learned from your culture What have you learned from home What have you learned from Your experiences through life Your education etc etc Perception is very hard To change immediately You need to be exposed To other things To expand your knowledge To change your perception of something But attitude Is fixed and wow. that is what is very interesting for me. It's, and that comes from our, like I say, our culture, our nationalities, our different, um, learned experiences through religion, through how we were brought up, all of those things. So when you say that, can attitude affect perception? Be- Absolutely. Okay. So it's, you have an attitude Towards something it's a, And then when you're in that situation You perceive it Because of That what you already know And think about it It's like And an opinion. that's why they say You know what You need to change your perception Look at it from a different angle Correct yeah. Anyone of you want to weigh in on this one? I just find it um, Interesting that you say that you can't change your attitude um, surely you you can't say to somebody listening to a change. A conscience it. change needs to happen. You yeah. know what I'm saying. So if I experience you as a negative, I perceive you as, as something negative towards me. Yeah. I need to learn more about you, and I need to do it consciously. Before to change I, your attitude. To change. Ah, okay. That's so right. you can actually change your. Attitude. Yeah, but it's not a, a perception. Is an immediate awareness. Yeah, yeah. Remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with perception, you can change it as, as the day goes on and we, we learn about one and another. Get to know each other, yeah. Mm. But my attitude is going to 
be either positive or negative and I I need to change my attitude over a period yeah. to understand you as a person. Yes. Okay. So when we talk about sexual wellness, there's so many different aspects to this and this concept. Do you want to venture a guest or a guess about um, what can influence our sexual attitude? Oh, I would, I would say maybe environment. Okay, explain. So like upbringing, um, if you were brought up in like a very conservative household, I think that's how you would perceive sex, that it's more like a taboo thing or it's done there and you guys don't really talk about it. So it, that's the environment you grew up in. Okay. Uh, and if it's a bit more liberal, then obviously you have more um, adventurous or out there thoughts. Yeah, well, I, you know what, when you said the environment, my mind went to, um, to Dante in a dark room or something. So, <laughs> in a dungeon or something. How, how did I get dragged into this? <laughs> so, um, it's your okay, turn, so my friend. <laughs> actually, Ali, um, when we decided to, dis, uh, to talk about the show and we said we wanted you to be part of us, um, for the simple reason, there's a different, I almost said perception, but it, the word is actually attitude. attitude. There's a different attitude amongst different population groups, ethnic groups, cultural beliefs, as well as religious beliefs on this one. And why we wanted to have all of us in the studio is because each one of us have a different viewpoint on this. So for you... How big a role did your upbringing and culture as a Congolese religious black woman play in where we are now? First of all, with a French influence. Yes. Oh, well, you know it now. I think um, the upbringing, first of all, when you grow up, it's a very taboo subject. You don't really talk about it. I think the first time that they mention sex is when a girl or a boy start going into puberty. And uh, what they tell you is do not touch the boys or do not touch the girls. If you sit together, you play together, you fall pregnant. So already in itself, it starts off as a very it's, it's, scary, it's a scary typical conservative subject. <laughs> upbringing because yeah. I grew up in Afrikaans, very religious, going to church about every day of the week. Um, different activities at ch in church The typical Afrikaans Protestant churches And if you play with a boy There has to be a distance between you And if you do go into puberty There was actually a rule book On how you to interact with boys And that is you don't touch hands even because but, uh, Elise may I ask this And Ali may I ask that uh, the same question 
that rule book that you're talking about, I remember that little book, Dante. Um, you, Did we all you, have the same upbringing then? <laughs> you, you, you went to school in an all boys school. You went yeah. to boys high. Yeah. Um, and you guys were Catholic. Um, or your parents were, your mother uh, was Catholic. Were, no, my parents were Catholic. My um, father was did, did they also have a rule book? No. And it was, it was a physical booklet, it was a booklet. But it came from the church. It didn't come from your parents. Yeah, but they weren't particularly religious. So that none of that applied. So, Sampiwa, did you guys have that? I wouldn't say, well, I didn't see the book, but there was definitely like these teachings that you guys are talking about that were instilled in, in a lot of, I would say girls. Mm. Um, I feel like the teachings were very much like girl, um, orientated to be like, you don't do this. Um, you do this. When, when, when we did enter into puberty, it was like, uh, yeah, yeah, now, now it's done. Like you cannot hang around with boys. There was even the saying, what books before boys because boys bring babies. Okay. Well done. <laughs> so, did that did that form your attitude towards sex, or did that form your attitude towards relationships and intimacy? Because I think the two are mutually exclusive. Hmm. I would say with the relationship, because there's. Also in a black household, there's this thing of like, you don't date, um, focus on school, focus on studies. And then like you get to this age where they're like, okay, then when are you getting married? And now you would have been interacting with boys when? And so it's kind of like this mm-hmm. thing of like, you're not allowed to have sex. You're not allowed to interact with, um, um, boys at any, at any point And then like overnight it changes and they expect you to know everything. Oh. Yeah. Ali? I feel exactly the same. Uh, because when I grew up, it was, you don't even ask a question about sex to who are you going to speak to? Who are you going to speak to? I, I even now can still say with my sisters, we do not talk about sex. Not really. I find that we started touching the subject a little bit with friends at school. Where we would have that hour where the teacher's not there and then we would talk a little bit about it. But for my, from my own experience, um, my mom said to me, you can only date when you are in university. And that is, uh, it's not like she says, yes, you can have sex. She's just saying, yes, you can date. And it was, you come at home in a safe environment where they're watching you. You sit somewhere where there is no physical. You're basically talking. And that was that. What's <laughs> that at? Tricky. I love it when you talk foreign. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, same thing where, you know what, you sit outside on the stoop with your father and mother sitting in the, in the living room watching TV, but the curtains are open. Yes. So, um, <laughs> Why I wanted us to, to touch on this is I think today's society is a little bit more progressive. Actually, I was at dinner last night with one of my friends and, um, the children now are far more aware of their sexuality. Um, they're far more open about 
their sexuality, who they are, what they want, when they're going to do it. Um, and I actually think they have far less hang-ups about relationships than what they used to. Um, Elise, you have grandchildren. They're still too young. No, but they start with eight to sex education already in grade three, I think. Ah. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and I, I don't know if it's just biology or anatomy or whatever, but they do start with that early. There's a lot of backlash from the conservative community about isn't it too young to start with this training? Well, then, answer that question. What do you think? I think it's very difficult for me to answer that question because I was not a mature child. I was a child child. And okay. I don't know if I was ready to hear all these things that were dis is discussed. So I'm going to ask this question and I want you guys to answer it. What age do you think kids start getting exposed to mobile devices? It's getting younger and younger. I would have so grade grade three is about they about eight nine. Yeah, seven eight nine. Yeah. Uh, mm. What do they find on mobile devices? No, but it's younger than that. I mean, what so, is the easiest way nowadays for parents to have some time is put your six month old baby baby in front of a tablet with things that. Run up and down and it keeps its attention. That's the experience. So I, for me, my, my personal opinion is I would rather give them the correct facts at a young age, knowing what this is, what do I call it, what it's used for, um, than, than seeing distorted Reality images of of also reality for, on for on you and I it's different because we have the medical background to start these conversations for people out there and I can only use my family um, when I spoke to my daughter and I said to listen it's time that you talk to your girls about what life is about and she said no 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 I can't do this mama you need to do it I can't do it. Like and they were not brought up, up conservatively. Yeah. Mm. They were taught from a very young age, age about things. I had a little experience not so long ago. I went with Emmanuel to the clinic and he's eight years. He can read. So there was this um, poster there about rape. And he said, mommy, what is rape? So for me, even though we all in, we chat about things, I was like, how do I explain this to him in a manner that you will not understand. shock him? And you see, so those type of things, I think <coughs> we want the school to kind of teach us a better way or we want someone to teach us maybe a better way to, to explain this to the kids and then... You can come in and add in your little... <laughs> I think that's very interesting. An article that I read yesterday, mm. there was a study done where parents were asked, what do you need to... What tools do you need to educate your children? And that was a, 
a big need from parents to say, help us to explain this in a way that the children will understand. All of the parents are open to that teachings that they need. So that was to be done at, at, at a school level? At a school level, okay. yeah. Well, you know, but I actually think what Elise said is at school level, but it's also educating parents yeah. how to communicate sure. effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I do think that a lot of people, and I'm again asking um, in different cultural backgrounds, uh, whether there's effective communication between parents and children. So, Ali, your mother never spoke to you about this. Elise, your mother yeah. and father never spoke to never. you about this. Dante, who told you about the facts of life? Your father or did, did you learn it on the playground? No, um, I, we never really spoke about it. it well, I didn't grow up in a particularly conservative environment, but it was something that we didn't talk about. I was inquisitive. So I got most I think of my all information. Are inquisitive, I got my information from the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> I actually went to the volume. I really did. And then I tried to sift through all these really big words. And then I went to a dictionary and I read it all up. Curious, eh? And that's how I found out about the birds and the bees. Um, but, you know. And you found out they weren't birds or bees. No, exactly. I was fascinated. I was absolutely fascinated by it. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how I find out. But we never really spoke about it at home. I think what the message here is, and I think all of us went through that stage, is don't try and hide it from your children. They are going to find out in some or another way what it is all about. And if they do it on the sly, it's bad. Hmm. Rather because be open the, about the it. The perception is different. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask a very Le- yeah, just bear with me. Your first sexual experience was it good or bad? It was horrible, horrible, horrible. <laughs> Ellie, bad. No, it was Yours? awkward. It wasn't bad. Okay. But it was awkward. Why? Because you didn't have a virgin. <clears throat> That's why it was awkward for you. <laughs> you're actually right. It was- <laughs> I didn't have a hymen. <laughs> yeah, you're right. What? <laughs> what? What did I just miss? (laughs) Well, she said that my first sexual experience was awkward because I fooled around with somebody who wasn't a virgin. And I said, yes, you're right. She was a lot more experienced than me, in other words, so it was awkward. But I was like 16 or 15 at the time. Why is this? Oh, goodness me. That's the young. Lucky you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I think what we've just acknowledged is that we all remember our first sexual experience and it's never a good or, or very seldom a, a good one I, I you know what Dante I, I remember back some movies about young young men coming into um, their early teens um, and this was in the upper crust and, you know, with the higher levels of society where the father would take the son to a prostitute at a certain age so that he can have his first sexual experience with a woman. Am I right? I'm not dreaming about this. No, it, it, it was a, a kind of a practice from what I can gather amongst sort of the upper crust mm. people. Um, and it was a particularly European thing. We took them to a bordello. 
and father would pay for the son to lose his virginity. I, 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 you look, I have. You look puzzled, sir. But interesting to hear about that. This explains what you just now now said: is that girls were said stay away from boys. Mm-hmm. Weren't boys told to stay away from girls? No, no, no. no. We just uh, um, we have a patient in the office that said, "Yeah, more of boys." So, you know, as long as she doesn't get pregnant, you're okay. <laughs> but See, that was the message that, that goes out to boys. Of course it's discrimination. I mean, look, in an Italian household, which is where I grew up in, um, it was fine for a boy to fool around because, you know, it was the manly thing to do. God forbid you should have a girl. Italian stallion thing. That kind of thing, yes. Yeah. And I remember the first time I came home, I spent the night out, I came home, and I, I had love bites on my neck. And my mother was very, very, very upset. And I just caught my father. Looked he was out of my proud eye. of he you. He was so proud of me. <laughs> you know, it was just completely different. Yeah. It's interesting. But in the African cultures in general, there is still, I don't know now, but it's still there, where a virgin girl has more value than a, oh, yes. a girl that's not virgin anymore, especially when it comes to marriage. So in our type of cultures where when it comes to, let's say, Lobola, yes. and they find out you're not a virgin, the price goes down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It goes down. It's like... Major deduction there. <laughs> okay. Because you, you're not allowed, basically. They want you to wait until marriage. That's the ideal situation. <laughs> okay. So let's talk a little bit about how we, we've touched on cultural influences. Let's talk about sexual orientation just for five minutes because at the moment I find it very confusing. And the reason I want to touch on this is I think, and Dante and I, and, uh, Dante, myself and Alice was discussing this, uh, in the car that the purpose of this show is to help people to realize that in order to help have a healthy sex life, you have to identify your sexual blueprint and your sexual identity. Because if you don't know this, I think you are constantly in turmoil. So, um, Ali, in the mature, because Simpiwe is half our age, um, in the more mature African culture, Homosexuality was frowned upon and most probably still is frowned upon. Am I correct? Yes, definitely. And in a, from a church perspective also? Still very much frowned upon. Um, if I can say for my, speak for myself, when I look around me, I don't, I do not know an open gay person from my part where I come from that in my family or anyone that came out and said I am gay. No one. I don't know if they're still in the closet, but it's still very much frowned upon. So no one. Do you think that impacts their lives? 
Should someone be in the closet? Should someone be hiding their sexuality? Do you think it has an impact on their, on their well-being? Definitely, because you, you're living a constant lie, not yourself. But then I always have this question also when I think about it. When does someone really know? When did you know that I am not straight? I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to ask Dante this. Yes. Mm. Um, for, for a simple reason, um, Dante, what do you identify as from a sexuality perspective at the moment? Gay man. Homosexual, yeah. Okay. But you weren't always one. You had a relationship with a woman, f- a very happy relationship yeah. for 12 years. Uh, well, for about 11 years, yeah. yeah. Okay. So what changed? What happened? Um, it was a particular incident that sparked it off, which I'm not going to go into details here. But that incident suddenly got me thinking that, hold on, there might actually be something else out there. Um, and that thought was planted in my head. I planted it, and it took a good two years or so for me to actually act on it, to find out what what was happening. Was there actually something else? And once I tried that, um, I actually left the country to try it. I didn't even do it in South Africa. I was too terrified to do it here. Um, I went to England. I tried it out there, and I thought, okay, this, now I have a real problem here because this is actually where I want to be. And it was like an aha moment and things just suddenly changed. And it was, the changeover was very quick when it happened. But, but I it took a long time to, to mature. Know, was it only a sexual urge or was it a emotional thing? It suddenly it dawned on me, uh, I think because I went to London where everything was very free and easy, yeah. even 30 odd years ago it was just much more relaxed and there were gay bars and gay restaurants and people walked hand in hand in the street whatever and this is you know years ago it just opened up my mind to a lifestyle um and you know thinking back on it it wasn't it wasn't a choice i'd realized that in fact that is where i needed to be Mm. but it wasn't kind of hold on um i don't like straight i'm going to choose gay it wasn't that at all it just suddenly the penny dropped even though I'd been very happy before that, um, suddenly everything changed. It was, a, it was a serious kind of mental screw-up for a while. Yes. My, for me, it was exactly the same. Um, I was uh, at university in my first year. I was dating girls. Um, and then one day I went to gym and I saw a guy and I thought, oh, my God, he's got the most amazing legs. Um he was 18 years older than me at that point in time. He asked me to go out for a drink at one of the university bars. <clears throat> it was so comfortable. It was so natural. And it was just, okay, that's it. I I never went through uh, a struggle with my own sexuality. I came from a very small little conservative Western Transvaal Dorpi. Um, it was, you didn't see or know of anyone. Um, and then went to university. It was, now this is 27 years ago. Um, it wasn't common, mm-hmm. but it wasn't unheard of. Mm. But I just kept on with my own life. I, I never 
made a, a, a hoo-ha about it. I never came out and said, throw me a party, I'm gay. I just carried on with my life as is. Um, it was just easy. I think this is, it's, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. For people I never had to struggle with that But I think if you do struggle with it It has such a huge emotional impact That it leads to And this is what we discussed this morning Sexual dysfunction um, Elise, do you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, I'm just I'm just in awe of what you said just now Because I wish people can walk your journey You hear what I'm saying? Mm. Because why not? If that is who you are, then that is who you are. From my side as a heterosexual older female, I want to put it out there that people must listen now. I also thought about that part of life. Why is it so um, secretive, Um, you know? Mustn't I have an experience like that to experience that? But it it never rash, uh, realized for me because I didn't. I don't have any interest in that. But it's thoughts in your head, and that is an important thing. I think work through the thoughts in your head, mm. and then you will realize what is your sexual attitude. Um, I like that. You know what I I. Often tell people Fantasies Especially sexual fantasies Do not necessarily Have to become A reality reality. How many Women out there do not Fantasize having sex with uh, Brad Pitt and George Clooney all in one go Um, I I I handle even one Why do I think that must be fun. <laughs> okay, but we're talking about girls now. Well, with boobies. <laughs> Go away. So, um, and you know what? It's not an unhealthy thing to have. I think expecting or wanting fantasies, all your fantasies, to become reality can Create its own problems Sims, you're far younger Than the rest of us mm-hmm. Is this changing amongst Today's younger generation? Slightly um, And I think in the African Households, I think what we're seeing is People or Adults, parents they, they, they know That their child is gay or not they just don't ever have the conversation want to, yeah, want to talk uh, about it. About it. Oh. So it's it's almost that thing of like you come to the house, you'll talk about, oh, you know, my relationship is going good. But it's always very vague. Um and it's the thing of like you get to be yourself around them, but that conversation to confirm that this is who you are is never had. And it it makes it very awkward because there's a part of your your family that accepts you, but the reality of accepting it is very different as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very important to say that. They they know, and that I know. They know you're gay, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But please don't bring your gayness to our house. Yes, exactly. and your partner to our house. Yes, and I think that's not only a black culture thing. I think that's a conservative 
South African thing. I don't know if it's. No, I a, think it's a universal thing. I yeah. think somehow, I'm not sure how, I think mothers seem to know. Mothers know. Pick it up. Yeah. I don't know how, but they do pick yeah. it up. Mothers but do. But they don't necessarily act on it. They don't talk about it. Yeah. But they do know. My feeling. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about gender fluidity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dante, uh, and here I'm, I'm going to ask you to what lead us. What is gender fluid- fluidity? So Dante went from a straight man okay. to uh, a gay guy. Not even bisexual. I was going to ask that question. Why did you not decide to be then bisexual? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I think I've never actually met a truly bisexual person. I think a lot really? of the time, yeah, a lot of the time people hide behind that word because it's a term of, they, they find it. Socially respectable, more respectable. I understand. Even in today's day and age, which mm. is ridiculous, but they find saying I'm bisexual more acceptable than saying I'm homosexual, I'm gay. Um, there, there are a lot of men who are gay but have the ability to have sex with a woman mm. and enjoy it. But when you come down to it, they are gay. They are homosexual. They're not bisexual. I'm sure truly bisexual men do exist. I've never met one, so I don't know. Okay. I always have this idea in my mind. I'm like, if someone is dating someone who's bisexual, or married or in a relationship with someone who's like that, then they would never really be safe. Yeah, you're uh, trying to give me a heart attack uh, every time you leave the house. Child. <laughs> because yeah. no, I, one day you wake up and suddenly you like the girls, and then the next uh, day you wake up you like the boys. Uh, someone uh, never be safe. A girl, a woman once said to me that she would never be able to date a bisexual man, truly bisexual man, because there was no point of trust. Mm. You really didn't know whether he'd really loved you or whether he was screwed. If you're going for a truly open relationship, that's a different thing. But if you're looking for an intimate relationship, there's no way that you can trust your partner if he's bisexual. Well, uh, let's stop monogam- there because monogamous. I, I just wanted to say there's a very, very big difference between a monogamous relationship and an intimate relationship. Mm. Yeah, no um, I, I do think that you can have an, a couple of <clears throat> intimate relationships, but none of them are monogamous. Mm. If you have a monogamous relationship, yes, then it, then it becomes a bit of an issue. So let's push this a little bit. But a monogamous further. relationship can be intimate as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they are. Okay. okay, so let's push it a little bit further. How about these people, I don't know what to call them, who are not associating as male or female? How do you have a relationship with this person? Because what is it? Are you about it? the alphabet people? The LBT, the, 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 those well, are they, they, or are you talking it's non-binary? non-binary. It's, it, okay. it, it, that's a correct, uh, I, I'm scared yeah. to say it because if it's you. It's non-binary and then it's like asexual or something. There's like terms for everything, but it's So how just, do you have a relationship or how does a non-binary person have a relationship? Because my, my question is, if you sleep with, if you're a non-binary male and you sleep with a woman or you have sex with a woman, are you in that moment what? Are you <laughs> I don't know that answer. <laughs> um are you 
when a transgender in that no, moment. No, no, stop right there. <laughs> I, so, so this is, this is why I don't, I, I don't get that term. It, you know, it would be very, very interesting if a non-binary person can answer the question for us. For me, it's just at some point you have to associate with something. Um, non-binary means that you're not associating with anything. But isn't okay? So from or or I'm getting it wrong. I I I don't know. I would I, love to I, know I, the I answer want to, to speak this. From a, a point of this is this is the, the the truth, and and I'm definitely not someone who's non-binary. But from all the videos that I've watched, it's kind of breaking the social construct of um, uh, male, female, him, her, uh, gay, straight. It, it's all about breaking that to say let's do away with those terms and let's do what I think or not I think, but let's just go with. I would almost say in inverted commas, the flow. So when you're a non-binary person, you, you don't fall into any box. You don't, you're not ticking a specific box to say, yes, I am gay or yes, I am straight. You just are connecting with the next person who's in front of you. And we might not know what that is. It could be a dog, a cat, a person, a human, whatever you connect with. <laughs> <laughs> that's you. Okay. So that's don't say Google. What does here. Google say? Look, non-binary. It says, Non-binary um, or genderqueer is an umbrella term. Genderqueer. They used to call us queers. So what is genderqueer? I'm not that's, I, f- I think that's a derogative right. term. It's an umbrella term for gender identities that are not solely male or female. Identities. Not solely. Yeah, male or female identities that are outside the gender binary. Um, okay, for me, that's <laughs> I, I, confusing. For me, that would basically be, I'm bisexual. Yeah, I, I was just thinking that. Surely, then, I, mean, I agree. The difference between so I, I, I actually think then that is the perfect definition of bisexual. No, I'm you not can't male, do that. not female. You can't put them in a box. You can't do that. No, Doctor Mark. No, can we put it them? Makes sense. <laughs> Can we put them in a space if it's not a box? <laughs> okay. The reason I ask these questions is the following. When it comes to sexual dysfunction, people think sexual dysfunction in males is not being able to get an erection. Now, if we look at that, we need to go and look at the cause of not having an erection. Is this a problem with physiology, anatomy? In other words, is there nerve damage? Is there a lack of blood flow, etc., etc.? But in our practice, and Elise, uh, you, you, we deal with this on a daily basis. The majority, I would say, ninety, ninety-five percent of Erectile dysfunction that I <coughs> treat in my practice is psychological. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. psychological erectile dysfunction. And why I wanted us to, to set the scene talking about sexual attitude, sexual orientation, cultural beliefs around this is because it has an impact to play in your sexual wellness. 
And we see this for women as well. I will never forget we had, and Elise and I were sitting in this consultation, and we had the patient come in. She was 42 years old. Um, she was brought in on request of her partner or husband. That's it. Please, you guys need to help us. My wife has no sex drive. Um, and you know what? I'm, I'm, we, we have a good relationship, but this is going to tear us apart. And in that conversation, at the age of 42, this woman have never masturbated. So she had such, I think, repressed emotions around her sexuality that it became a problem in her relationship and therefore in in her husband because sexual dysfunction in one partner is what causes sexual dysfunction in the other and that leads leads to a sexual disconnect in a relationship and ultimately in a lot of cases the breakdown of relationships. But I want to touch on what you're saying now and I'm talking um, about why is there a sexual disconnect? Specifically, it can be male or female. And if you think about abuse, sexual abuse that happens, I'm sure it happens still today to children, but in my era when I grew up, and if you think about all the court cases that's happening nowadays of older women my age suing men in their 80s and 90s because they were abused by them. Think about the sport guys, etc., etc. Mm. I think sexual dysfunction in females specifically, and I can't talk about males, comes from that era. Of where it was hidden, nobody talks about it, you know, even though uh, maybe it didn't lead to penetration or anything, but being fondled by an older man or adult. Lots of this is emotional dysfunction, sexual dysfunction. Yeah, there's, uh, there's that attitude towards exactly. sex which becomes negative. And what our duty is as this forum is to highlight that you can change this attitude to something more healthy. But in order for you to do that, you need to identify your own sexual blueprint. I think the first thing you need to do is to understand your sexuality. Anatomy wise So get to learn yourself Again You know that's my mantra Get to know yourself Yeah it's um, I, Dr. Vivian Jandero Who's a dear friend of mine And who I had in the studio I don't know Sims uh, No it was still with Chris um, We had a discussion about Gynecomastia And how you treat it And we were talking about breast examinations um, and I said and on air, if you do not play with your balls in the shower, you are being negligent on your own health. Yes. Um, and to this day, she relates that story. <laughs> but it's true what you say. If you don't know yourself, if you do not know 
what you like. Um, how are you expecting your partner, whether it's a one-night stand or your life partner, to be able to give you a satisfactory sexual experience? I think in the end it all boils down to honesty. Yeah. You need to be honest with yourself. Yes. And there, from that point, you can start exploring your sexuality, who you are, and so on. How do we help people doing this? Or how do we help people to do this? I think it's becoming a little bit easier if I see kids at school openly gay. Mm. Um, it's in our day, they would have beaten the crap out of you. Mm. And you most probably, like they're still doing mistakes, would have been sent to some kind of reform school to have this drilled out of you. With mm. um, Ali, did you guys ever have that? No. Like but do you say. think it? Do you think it? It existed. It must have existed. You know when when you you. You and Dante shared your experience. I thought about what the church would say or what the family would say. Because nowadays we, we can still now, we see a lot of young people, young boys or young girls expressing already how they feel. But if it was, for example, your case, you explained this to an elderly or a pastor, let's say a pastor, <laughs> they would say, he got possessed by this demon. Something came over him. Because as you are saying, something shifted. Then they would say, if something possessed him, surely we can take it out of him. So there is still that false hope. Some of, when I'm speaking <laughs> of the... Not. Like no. a, <laughs> but it's interesting. They think that, that you, you can mean, change, you can really? go back, you yeah. can become... Because the because, devil took hold of yeah. you. Right? We need to get <laughs> it out. We just need to pray for you. Holy water. Fire. Yeah. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, Dante has... Um, I'm not going to say anything to that. Dante, Dante has a bit of a strange relationship with a Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think they did to try and throw only water. <laughs> uh, um, I had a strange relationship with Catholics, but it's not for discussion now. <laughs> so, um, sexual dysfunction is around us. Yeah. And I think um, we will be discussing the different types of sexual dysfunction, psychogenic sexual dysfunction, erectile dysfunction, dyspareunia, vulvodynia, and all of those things. It's big words. Those all sound like cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> A cock is involved. <laughs> well done. <laughs> it's non-alcoholic cocktails, I can tell you that. So... um. There's, there's so many things that cause sexual dysfunction. For us to treat it effectively, we need to have an understanding of our patient. What is happening inside their minds? And then how is that affecting their own sexual experience, whether it's masturbating or not? Uh, 
whether it is physical sex or whether it's an inability to have an intimate, never mind sexual relationship, or the other way around. Quick question. Um, as you guys are the older generation, and um, it's, it's easier to understand, like back then in the day, um, it was a very taboo topic, right? Yes. But like as a young person who's growing up in a generation where I would say sex is very much freely spoken about, so... I wouldn't say the I wouldn't say the tabooness is still there, but not as bad as back in the day. Are you guys seeing then a decline in 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 your patients and the number of people that you're seeing with sexual um I would say health issues? No, actually. What I think what we do right is we have a platform where people feel that safe to discuss this. Yeah. Um and and I wanted to comment uh, comment on that. Um, I think you ask what can we do about it. I want to say, find somebody, find a doctor, a nurse, or whoever that you feel comfortable discussing this with. It is out there. The information is out there. And that's what we see. We see couples coming in and say, okay, um, this is what happened last night. And it's one incident, but it Upsets them actually, you know, if they couldn't finish <coughs> what they started. Yeah, people are starting inter- to speak about it. Yeah, people are speaking about it. So I think that's the message we need to get out there. Mm. The uh, more we say, go and speak to somebody, people will come forward because I don't think um, it's less out there. Mm. I think it's actually there is more dis- sexual dysfunction because of. Our stresses yeah. out there, yeah. etc., etc. Absolutely. Um, I, I, you know what? Again, Simpiwe, when I started the tea clinic, which was about seven years ago, and at, back then, uh, Dante can affirm this. When we went into media, we said that we have a solution to problems. That people don't know they have Because it was not spoken about mm-hmm. Now for me in the past seven years That we've been doing uh, this Where we've been going on to radio and TV And publishing articles And treating patients with this There's a change The change is not happening fast enough um, I think our generation Dante's generation, my my parents, uh, Elise, your generation, Ali, especially in the black culture, sexual dysfunction um, is not it, it's not spoken about, mm. it's not acknowledged. Um, if I look at the percentage African patients in my practice versus uh, Caucasian patients uh, versus Indian patients, there's a very, very big discrepancy. I think in the black culture, erectile dysfunction in men is definitely not spoken about. Um, sexual dysfunction in women, especially the pain side of things, when they start getting older and going into menopause, um, 
is not even acknowledged. You know, it, you do not have a choice with uh, when it comes to that. You will serve, whether it's comfortable or not comfortable, suck it up cupcake. Mm-hmm. Um, and if 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 we can change those perceptions, no, not perceptions, those attitudes towards sexual dysfunction and bring about the understanding that there's something that we can do about this so that you can have a more fulfilling and um, liberating sex life. Um, we've done well. And that's going to be the aim for our discussions, which will happen. Next month um, is November. It's Male um, Wellness Month. And in next month, we're going to talk a couple of times uh, in this on this platform about sexual dysfunction and the treatment thereof. And then we will follow that up with treatment and sexual dysfunction in women. And then we'll finish it off with how do we connect couples again. So, guys, it was a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to share with uh, the people that we work so closely with. Um, If you have any comments on this, especially on the non-binary, because it still boggles my mind a little bit, If you want to leave us a comment on that, please, you are more than welcome to send us messages on Facebook or send us an email at the T-Clinic. The address is www.theteaclinic.com. It was wonderful having you all, um, and we're wishing you all a good and uh, a healthy week ahead. Thank you. That was the T-Health Show, empowering you with knowledge. Download all previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The Tea Health Show is brought to you by Tea Clinic.